At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Rewind the dynamite from the post-wrestling site. A-W, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. Hello, welcome to Rewind the Dynamite. I am John Pollock, joined by Waiting. How you doing, John? I'm doing swell. Um, that's good. Okay, that's good. I'm ready. I'm ready for this stuff to end. I'm definitely hitting my limit now, dude. It's like you go in waves. Like you go through. Uh, like man, this is such a strange change to your life, and then you kind of just get used to it, and things are going fine. And then you hit other patches where it's like, oh my gosh. When you say this stuff, do you mean like wrestling? Everything. And, and just oh no no no! I, I'm not even talking about wrestling. I'm talking about life. In general, yeah, just everything. Like I go out and it's, you know, the first, say, like the, the first few yeah. days, there's like a novelty. You know, it's like, oh yeah, everybody's like, you know, uh, we're like, uh, we get to play video games and just, uh, you know, we sit at home and, uh, you know, you, you get to uh, cook. Uh, you might even develop like a new exercise routine, and that's kind of cool. But you like, try to find the, the silver lining. It's awful, of course. I don't think I have to preface it by having to say that, but I'm going to. But you know, I'm. I'm sure, like, the, this idea of just unplugging from everything, like, there has to be some um, some good to that, that our lives are just so crazy that on a day-to-day basis that I think we have a greater appreciation from so many more other things. I'm trying to find the positives in all of this, but I think that there is, you know, you have to search, but you can you can find things like that. Yeah, but inevitably, I mean, you know, once people, especially I think with many people realizing at this point that this this isn't going to be a temporary stop, we're not going to go back to work during Easter. At least I certainly don't hope we we do. Um, you know, that, that, that Easter thing has been blown away. Like yeah. that is that is not happening. I think so. you know, you know, if you haven't already kind of come to grips with it, you, you know, many people, I think, are are, are kind of ha- you know having to fa- to be faced with the reality of like this having to get used to this for the next little bit and certainly some people are in better positions than others if you are without an income if you're without work if you are you know are suffering from an illness yourself or know somebody who's suffering from an illness these things are i can't even imagine um you know the the amount of stress that you might be under right now um but uh yeah it's it continues to be a period of adjustment for the entire world Right before all of this stuff occurred, like the weekend before I bought a bike and I got to pick it up today, I'm I'm going to ride the hell out of this thing. Yeah, cool, man. As long as you're keeping your, your distance when you're out there, then enjoy. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ride it's, my it's bike. It's a tomorrow. great time for uh it's, bike riders. The, we- the the weather's like pretty nice at, at this point of the year. And the cars are off the streets. There's very limited cars. I had to go pick this place up at a bike store. 
and had to wait outside. Only one person is is in uh, allowed in the entire shop at once. And, cool. Yeah. So anyway, I've got be safe though, of course. Well, wear, yeah. Wear a helmet, please. I always wear a helmet. Yes. So that's uh, that's all I have to say. How's uh, how's powerlifting going? Uh good. You know, um, I, I'm I'm realizing though, like how much I think, um, you know, you it, it's 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 not just about kind of reading up on the information, but it's like about so many other things too. Like you, you really need sleep in order to like you know be in a, like to to exercise effectively. What's and your sleep like these days? It's it's certainly spotty. Like my my schedule is all just thrown out of order whenever I we do these shows because it takes us it takes me pretty late into the night, and then um I no matter what I I always get up at like seven something now to drive my fiance to work, and uh, I get home and if I need a few more hours of sleep I'll try to catch it then after breakfast, um and then you know do some work from home and then I'll pick her up and then it's if it's a show night, I'll be recording and then if I can fit some time into the gym then I'll do that as well. But um, it's it's certainly just spotty, and today certainly it it it, it, it wasn't optimal. Oh well, I'm uh, I'm sorry to hear that. I hope uh, if there's anything I can do to help, just let me know. Mm. No, it just it just takes some engineering on my part. Well, let's let's get into um, f- first of all, just uh, one final reminder: Thursday, two p.m. Eastern time, we're going to be live with our special Cafe Grande hangout. We're going to be going live at YouTube.com/slash post wrestling and all of our proceeds uh, from the YouTube super chats and from our limited edition post wrestling t-shirts that we had made up for, for Tampa are going to be going to uh, two very worthy causes. Yeah, that's right. One of which will be the Sunnybrook foundation, which is a local hospital here in Toronto, but they're also, I would say one of the leading researchers uh, for COVID-19 um, just study really in general in the world right now. They are part, they are one of the teams who helped um, isolate the gene responsible for the COVID-19 virus. So in supporting them, we're not only just supporting a local hospital, which greatly needs uh, uh, everybody's help right now, but also um, hopefully putting some money towards uh, research to actually, you know, defeat this thing as well. We're also uh, going to be donating our proceeds to the New York community trust. And I believe this was, you know, as many people know, New York is the, uh, it's the epicenter of like, um, uh, you know, the, the pro. It might eventually, like, it it might soon to be like, I don't know, maybe like a global epicenter at some point. But um, certainly in the U.S., it is the hardest hit city right now. So this is a fund that helps a number of nonprofits in New York. So yeah, uh, all of our proceeds uh, meeting, you know, every like if you buy this shirt for twenty five dollars, twenty five dollars will be going to these funds. As well as our super chats, which is the first time we've we've, we've tried super chats. Um, this will be free, a free Q and A, a free hangout for everybody, so anybody can join, and we will give priority to people who ask questions on super chats. And what that is is basically you enter the chat room at YouTube.com/slash/postwrestling, and then there's like a little dollar sign there, and you can just choose like your, the amount that you choose to pledge can be as little as like I think like goes from like maybe a dollar or two dollars all the way up to like ten or whatever you want. And your question will basically stay up in the chat room. Um, and the more you pledge, I believe, like the longer it stays up there. So I, I'm looking forward to trying all that out tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to it a lot. It should be um, 
uh, entertaining show to have uh, all of your questions in, and we'll we'll be joined throughout the two hours by some select guests from the uh, post wrestling community who will be dropping by. Um, and then just on top of that, our WrestleMania coverage this weekend. Saturday night, we'll be going live for all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe right after WrestleMania night one, and then uh, doing the same format on night two, and that will be live for our double-double ice cap and espresso patrons, which is our usual pay-per-view format. So if you're a cafe member, uh, you can uh, check out some of that stuff live, and of course, we'll be taking phone calls both nights discussing the, I guess, 16 matches that have currently been announced for... This WrestleMania this weekend, so, something like that, isn't it? Yeah. It's a uh, it's a lengthy amount, so lots of uh, great stuff to look forward to coming up at postwrestling.com in the coming days. And do check out uh, today's uh, news update, a mammoth edition from our own Andrew Thompson as well. So let's take a look at some of those items. Uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who has come under, under quite a bit of criticism for, I guess, his uh, what has been believed inadequate response to the entire pandemic in the state of Florida on Thursday. Uh, They are going to be instituting a stay-at-home policy throughout the entire state. It goes into effect Thursday, and they said it will go for at least 30 days. Now, the follow-up to this would be how this is going to affect specifically WWE, because as we could see tonight, uh, it looks as though AEW has already gotten out of the state, but for WWE, uh, will this will this force them to change plans? And how much are they going to be um, enacting this stay-at-home policy? They they are advising residents uh, to stay indoors unless they're pursuing essential services or activities. But you know, as we've seen, like what is the line between what is you know uh, an advisement versus something that there's actually a penalty? For breaking. Um, that would be certainly a question to ask. And I mean, WWE, they have to be, I guess, having those conversations right now. And I don't think we're going out on a limb that if it's left to WWE to interpret how this is going to be, I don't know if this means that they are going to be stopping. Well, sure. Well, first of all, um, do you know where Dynamite took place tonight? I mean, I, I don't know 100% the location, but it's you know, it certainly seems to me like it would have been somewhere in Georgia, given the fact uh, Cody had brought Pharaoh there. They had mentioned uh, QT Marshall's student was on the show there. Um, well, those, you know, I mean, I believe that that was still the case when they were doing Daily's Place. Um, so like, I, I was just curious if you knew for a fact that this was not in Florida. I, I don't know 100% the, the location. So, um, and they purposely did not mention it at all i think they they don't want people showing up at this location in case they have to go back there and, and do more but they were very obviously secretive about the location right so this could still affect AEW. we we don't know but um certainly i think we've seen both of these companies uh if they can skirt around these suggestions um they will and if Florida is instituting this, yeah, maybe that means moving production up to Atlanta or another nearby state. Uh, in the end, I I could see them huh, uh, just basically doing anything they can to try to keep these shows going. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's at this point, um, you know, I think that for WWE to continue forward now, like you are actively going against like what the government is advising everybody to do. And it just, 
I mean, at what point are you responding of, okay, there is a reason we are being advised for all this, not the response being, well, how do we get around this? How can we push forward? It gets pretty ridiculous at this point, I would say, if they're still trying to present shows at the Performance Center or having to now find a new location. It's kind of missing what the entire point of all of this is, that everybody is trying to do their little part to contain this to the best of their abilities so that, you know, if I put myself at risk and somehow get get infected with this, it's another ventilator that's necessary. It's another hospital bed that we are in such short supply of. I think it's just Even such the tests a, are in short supply. Exactly. Like that to me, uh, the idea of we need tests for UFC fighters so that they can fight, like that is not a priority right now so that you guys can go and do your your fights at this point or do wrestling matches like that is not what this essential equipment and and preventive measures are earmarked for yeah 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 um uh you know i it's i i'm i'm kind of amazed that we're even like in april maybe still having these conversations i do feel like with the wwe so much of this has been leading up towards wrestlemania and i think after wrestlemania or at least the raw after wrestlemania um i can see them strongly considering halting productions and maybe moving just more towards something else um but it did feel like to me wrestlemania was like you know certainly a like a like a landmark that they needed to hit AEW is a bit more open-ended because they don't have a destination right now and it just feels like they are just you know putting on as many shows and taping as much content as they can so that they can guarantee content for the next several weeks um is there a cutoff time for the you know when they would reassess when it would be right to go back to do a live show like like this or not i'm not sure was tonight live by the way uh i i don't know if all of tonight was was live or if some of it was a combination uh, of taping like the schedule they had last week where they spent like two days um, taping. So, I mean, last week, all the stuff they were taping was obviously at, at Daly's place. So that content was taped and I like I don't know how much they're they're sitting on right now content wise that they can rely on if there's a week that they, they can't go. Right, right. Uh, didn't they do Hager Moxley? Last week, I, I believe like I heard Jr. talk about it in, in his uh, interview on 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 the Observer, but um, I believe that was that might have been taped last week. Well, but, there you go. So that would be one that they have on hand now that they can that they can run in two weeks when they're promoting it. Yeah, I, I, I sorry, I, I did want to mention that like the the elephant in the room of all of this is really the their broadcast partners as well. Mm-hmm. Like what what role are Fox, USA, and TNT playing in this. And I think that's a question that a lot of a lot of people are asking about these sports leagues, about what happens with these gigantic rights fees. We've seen now the precedent. Uh, DAZN has announced that for properties, uh, like games that are not being delivered, they are not paying uh, for games that are not being delivered. And I, I listened to an interview today with uh, John Orrand, who's a reporter at Sports Business Journal. He broke the story about that DAZN issue and like that's questions that everyone's asking and his belief is that you know different deals are all going to have different language and that the stronger leagues are going to probably have the more favorable terms so like an NFL for instance they're probably not going to be hung out to dry in all of this and 
you know, at WWE and AEW, they're much lower down the totem pole that you would definitely think that like, what is, what is their pressure point? If they don't do these shows, are they forfeiting, you know, rights fees at this point, which is so integral to their, just to their revenue for, for both companies. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. a big question to me. And on top of that, like for not just WWE and AEW, like all of these leagues, I think have to figure something out. If you're looking at Fox and what they're paying WWE weekly, I mean, do we do we work something out where, okay, you don't need to spend on production costs. We don't want to harm like our partner that we are in a long-term deal with. Like the, the two sides don't want to harm the other, but working out something where – Maybe we come up with like a prorated amount that you are paid during this period. It's not the full amount, but you're also not spending the same amount where it's, you know, high six figures to put on an edition of Raw, for instance. Um, All of this is stuff that these companies have to be looking at now. Are they, you know, talent being paid throughout this period as well? I mean, all of these financial questions are such a big part of this. And I, I don't think we have a clear picture of what exactly is driving AEW and WWE to just push forward through all of this. And, you know, Bellator, for instance, like they, they have canceled a lot and you would think like they fall into this, like they had that deal with DAZN. You would assume they're, they are not getting paid for any of these canceled shows. Sure. You know, I think a big difference though, between like Bellator and WWE or AEW is, is I, I think WWE will be fine for several months, even without producing fresh content. They have such a strong library of of just material and i think the nature of professional wrestling is such that you can get away with just doing a show of people talking at the very least like even if it was people talking through skype cutting promos on each other from their living rooms like you can make it might not be a great three hours but you can probably like you know gather a combination of some of that stuff coupled with like old footage into like a like a three hours that might satisfy you know a tv network into paying you your usual whatever for, for that episode i mean with a, with an actual sporting event like like a bellator event that that is going to be a bit tougher um you know but yeah these are questions that we can't really answer without knowing exactly what is in these contracts what what exactly uh, the partnership is between the networks and the, and the wrestling companies but certainly i'm sure these are all questions that you know wwe or AEW don't really want to be facing um if they don't have to just yet and this is why i think we are seeing desperation from both companies to try to keep this thing going as long as they can yeah well that takes us into the ratings notes and it's it's clear now the the pattern like the audience is being you know they are not turning in tuning into these shows at this point last week raw put put up their their worst number of the year and that was beaten this week um with one of their lowest of all time one million nine hundred and twenty four thousand viewers so the only shows um of recent memory that have been lower than this were the taped show last December 23rd and a show that aired on Christmas Eve in 2018. So more people watched Raw on New Year's Eve of 2018 than watched the go-home Raw leading into WrestleMania this week. Um, Hmm. Lowest third hour in the history of Raw being three hours uh, this week, 1,646,000 viewers. It also started with one of its lowest um, first hours ever with uh, just over 2.1 million viewers. So, you know, clearly like the empty arena shows mixed in with classic footage, 
they are not what the audience is responding to. SmackDown just did its lowest number this year on Friday. So there is clearly that pattern that we can now establish that any kind of curiosity or 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 such, it's like these are not working in, in that sense. And that becomes, you know, is USA and Fox, are they just satisfied that we've we do have people tuning in and, and that's it? How much emphasis is even on ratings right now? Yeah, that's the thing, too. Um, everybody is kind of operating under a handicap. And, you know, ultimately, these numbers, I don't think will weigh that much on on really anything by the time the world get you know picks back up. Um, but I, I'm sure, you know, they're, they're really kind of like limited with what they can produce. And I think the shows that you're, that you're seeing right now are the best that they can do, given the circumstances. So, oh, I don't I don't doubt like. So how, and again, I was I was disappointed that this week's Raw was down so much because i really like that show and i hope that the number doesn't kind of dismiss the concept that they used on raw because i thought it was a very effective show in selling wrestlemania yeah but you know the problem remains like even if they did want to change what can they possibly change right now you know like they this is these are the cards that they're dealt with they can barely even scratch together like two three matches for an event well the the argument would be that you know, as they're putting it, that they are providing this entertainment for people that are starved for this. People are not starving for this this form of entertainment. <laughs> you and I both know that that's bullshit. Like from from the get go. Okay. Okay, but like that's like if <laughs> listen uh, again, doing this for the goodness of 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 the people. Uh, like I mean, that's that at this point is like a Dana White kind of caricature go to type of line. Well, it just it. It's just more pronounced out now that the the public is telling you we are not the, these are not the shows we want. I'm sure people would love uh, a normal raw. They don't want this for this version of raw, and that's pretty clear cut at this point. And it just makes the argument less and less to be putting all of these people into these situations. And you know, now that the talent is at home, I, I think that you're. I'm very curious if if for some reason they go ahead. Next week, uh, like SmackDown would be the next one on the calendar to do. How much of this talent that goes home that is probably that like has to be isolating themselves now? How how intrigued are you to be looking at the prospect of going back to the performance center now where it's starting to to settle in? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think those numbers are going to do. I'm not saying there's going to be like a mass exodus of talent that won't go. But I think the numbers are going to – there's going to be some. I feel that there will be definitely some that are, I did that once. I came away unscathed. I'm waiting it out. Absolutely. I I mean, I think so. I mean, everybody's following these horrifying cases, uh, the increase of of cases that's going on right now in in the U.S. And um, I I imagine, you know, fears are – are very different right now compared to maybe a week and a half ago when people were still going to do these tapings. Um, nonetheless, though, I do feel like you'll have plenty of like roster members who are either in Florida or people that are more than happy to take the risk because they see it as their duty. Um, so they have a lot of people on staff. They they'll be able to come up with like if they had the opportunity to record. I feel like they'll be able to gather enough people. They'll have enough people, but it's just the. Um amount that I think will be processing this a lot more without the 
the cloud of the adrenaline that we always go through. We've got WrestleMania to do. We had all of these tapings where your head is just spinning and now it's back to the real world and kind of sitting down and realizing the significance of this, being around family that's probably super concerned about the the risk you have put yourself at. Um, I, I just have seen in the last few days interviews with Becky Lynch, um, one with Seth Rollins. Like you can see like they're being obviously <laughs> – company people, but you can see the the trepidation that they have just, you know, about concerns that they have. And I'm sure that's pretty widespread at the moment, even for ones that may reluctantly go through it. This is this is a big ask of your talent that has just gone through quite enormous measures to make sure this WrestleMania show happened. And the crew as well. And and the crew that is there all day that mm-hmm. were heavily relied upon. I mean it's um a lot of people that were asked to me a, a maximum amount that they provided. And I think it takes a lot to have to now go back and say, we're doing it again. Um, so anyway, that was uh, the raw number, Dark Side of the Ring. This was episode two this week, The Life and Crimes of New Jack. Um, last week, the Benoit episode, it had 320,000 viewers, by far the biggest uh, in the history of that franchise. This week, they did 224,000 viewers. Still... Um, Above most of the episodes they did in season one, uh, but definitely I thought New Jack was going to have a lot less interest than Chris Benoit. If you told me that like 200,000 people tune into a documentary about New Jack, I'd be floored. <laughs> like th- th- This is still a really strong number for Vice TV. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, not many people... Like, no, I would say in the mainstream, know who New Jack is. Certainly not at the near the level of a Chris Benoit. So I think much of this are, number... Are you saying that they're not familiar with Denzel's best friend? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't think so. But, you know, this really, this episode, I think, really just relied on on the fumes of, you know, the Chris Benoit episode and really the, the name value that the series has created at this point. Um, very entertaining episode. But, you know, that to me is still a very strong number. Uh, so Wayne and I are going to review that episode on Rewind to SmackDown this Friday night. So if you want to check that out, we will uh, dedicate um, some time on Friday to chat about the life and crimes of New Jack. Yes. It'll be quite, quite, the, um, quite the recap, I'm sure. Okay. Uh, Tuesday, man, this feels like a week ago this happened. WWE and Fox announced a deal uh, for WrestleMania where WrestleMania is going to be available both nights this weekend on – the Fox Sports and Fox Now apps for $59.99. And they are also going to be picking up the kickoff shows that will air on FS1 and Fox Deportes. And this also will include a Tuesday night programming block on the Fox Sports platforms uh, this spring. And it began last night with the re-airing of the 2020 Royal Rumble. And they'll be doing uh, edited down versions of... Uh, past WrestleManias with 31, 33, and 34 scheduled. Uh, so it doesn't overlap with the WrestleManias that they're airing on ESPN. And then other things like 24, Ruthless Aggression, and Profile Pieces uh, that will be uh, branded as Best of WWE Series uh, episodes. Fifty nine ninety nine for WrestleMania and... For the two nights. For the two nights. And it is airing on the WWE Network... In it's the the usual setup where you can if you're a new subscriber you can get it for free or you can sign up for ten bucks. I yeah. like this one. It just 
obviously this is maybe like a test for Fox to see this, but to me, it's one of those where if you are someone that buys this, you're clearly just not aware of the other digital alternative on the WWE network. That would be the only reason you would be buying this through the Fox app. Or you're just an idiot, which is, I, think, I mean, it's, it's think not all that di- different from, um, you know, I guess it's people, they're relying similar to like fight TV when they've offered new Japan pay-per-views when you could get new Japan world. And maybe like, they feel like there is some people out there who are resistant to the idea of signing up for a service versus an a la carte purchase that this would be like, that's the literally the only thinking I can have of someone that is just so, uh, against signing up for something where they'll, they forget to cancel it or just don't want to submit their information that is going to be a recurring payment down the road. I don't know, dude. Yeah, like, I, I, I would, under, I would buy that if this pay-per-view was like $20 and like, yeah, you'd, you'd be paying a premium so that you wouldn't get charged like an extra month or something. But like the comp- comparison between 60 to 10, that there's no excuse there. You just, you probably, if you're going to pay for this thing at 60 bucks, you probably just hate money. You probably have a lot of it that you really don't need. And it to me, it's like, you know, it's the ultimate flex right now is to pay for WrestleMania at a full $60 price rather than getting it for the WWE Network. Like, if you're a rapper, you want to show off how much money you have, maybe that's what you choose to do. But I, I, I don't see really this as anything more as maybe a bit of a formality to kind of like dip their feet in the water with like a potential deal with Fox. Um, it's not like they could do this with what's the next show like money in the bank money in the bank i mean you can't really the time to enter into the market if you're going to do something like this is wrestlemania and certainly the timing was not optimal i feel like if they had this deal a month or two ago i don't even i think i think you would be talking about a wrestlemania that wouldn't be taking place on the wwe network but because the late last minute you know uh makings of this particular deal they had already announced the network thing it really is just a mess all around and you know we'll see how they do because i do feel like john there are a lot of people out there who will actually buy this thing at 60 dollars just because i don't know why but yeah like as we've explained on the show in the past like you understand why there are people who still buy on traditional pay-per-view like they may not have the internet capabilities that will support a a streaming pay-per-view and you know they want Yeah, this is not that. This is a digital alternative to the WWE Network that just costs significantly more. Like a new, like sign up for an email address and you can get this for free. Like that is the the hurdle for the WWE Network to get Mania for free for both nights. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you would figure they would at least throw some bonus stuff in there. Like, you know, what could they put in there? Rob Gronkowski commentary solo with Steve McMichael. And Pepe. Mm, okay. Well, there you go. If you know anybody, I don't think there is literally one listener of ours that will be uh, buying it on, on the Fox app. But um, anyway, it's. I think it's more so interesting to see, does this lead to more? Uh, because now you're seeing um, a deal with ESPN for those WrestleManias that have done good numbers. This, this past Sunday's was, it was down from last week's, but, you know, uh, in this climate, I think of, decent number and now they're doing this with fox and what is what is the ultimate play that they make and more more importantly is that if they're 
is whether it's ESPN or Fox that makes that big offer. Do we actually see pay-per-views moved from the network? And this is what we're looking at for pay-per-views. Very good question. Yeah. Um, you know, and in because fact- that's that's how one of these deals makes sense for a Fox is that they have the exclusive streaming rights, much like ESPN Plus does for the UFC pay-per-views. That's right. Yeah. You know, but right now we're we're in a world where we don't even know when the next show would be, much less a pay-per-view. All right. Uh, John Jones, he has entered into a plea agreement. He will plead guilty to driving while intoxicated while his other three charges will be dropped. Um, this uh, came out uh, on Monday uh, – on Tuesday, actually. So he's going to face uh, – in this plea agreement, which is subject to a judge um, – approving of this deal that he will go through a a house arrest type of program, 48 hours of community service, a $500 fine and a 90 day outpatient treatment program. Um, And then with pleading guilty to the DWI charge, he would have the charge for negligent use of a weapon, possession of an open container and failure to provide his insurance to the officers. Those three charges would be dropped. So, um, I mean, I, I don't think I don't think there's any way to sugarcoat this other than to say for a guy that this is not his first uh, offense of driving under the influence and hardly his first brush with the law. This is a the definition of a slap on the wrist. His punishment is that he, what he has to stay indoors. He ha- it's it's a house arrest yes type of situation here that that he has. He he eventually does have to leave his house to perform community service for forty eight hours. Eventually, right? Okay. So, and a ninety day outpatient treatment program. It's 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 amazing to me that his punishment is basically what the rest of of society is going through right now voluntarily. Uh, this is ridiculous. It's it's, um, you know, I, I I I'm 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 concerned that this isn't going to be the last that we're going to hear of a situation like this, and the 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 fact that this dude had a was carrying a firearm while drunk driving was just and and that the result is ultimately the most severe of what of which is what five hundred dollars there's something wrong five hundred five hundred bucks yeah john mccarthy who was with the the lapd before you know um you know in his uh prior career he thought like it was definite he was going to get jail time for this because of it being a, a repeat offense um he he was like pretty adamant he believed that jones was going to get uh, some some time uh, as a result of this, but he's you know he, I mean for for the situation that we ran down of what was involved here, I mean he he was like twice over the limit, gun in the car, uh, a gunshot had gone off, um, amazing, wow, like marijuana was on him. I mean it was to me it's just uh, yeah I don't know it's it's the kind of thing where. You build up this belief that you are invincible and and above you know the the standard that uh, someone not named John Jones would would probably not be getting such a such a deal. I guess he has a right to believe that because I mean, look at this. Like, I, he, I, if you if I go through like this, I would feel like I'd be able to get away with anything. It's not like his next fight will be in jeopardy at all. Nothing. No. no. Especially UFC this year with the, like look at look at how pressed they are to put on these pay per views. They're gonna take a moral stance with John Jones and and put the the individual in front of the commodity. There's no chance of that happening. So um anyway, Tony Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov, we, we spoke about it the other day that it appeared to be off. It's it's 
it's done. Um, Khabib put up a statement today pretty much saying, like, I am not going to be training and traveling in the midst of a pandemic. And Tony Ferguson went on ESPN. He did not deny that he's been offered a fight with Justin Gaethje, but doesn't seem to be all that um, into that fight. The names he would like to face are Conor McGregor or Khabib Nurmagomedov. So he's definitely has... The leverage here, if UFC is still pushing forward with this card, which, let us remind you, would be taking place in two and a half weeks on April 18th. I can't imagine this card happening, but it's uh, the the idea. I also cannot imagine Dana White uh, just pleading, I can't do it, and saying, this card's off. I feel he will be saying up until the Wednesday of fight week that we're going to find a place. <laughs> I think Dana himself needs to step up to the cage and fight Tony Ferguson. That- he might be at that stage right now where he'd be willing to, at this point, do a do a grappling fight. The the fight they never did with him and Tito. Maybe maybe that's Boxing on the table. Match. Yeah, the former Tybo guy. Um, but you know, I, it's it's just ridiculous, and the the fact that it's it's even still a dangling carrot at this point is outrageous to me. Uh, what are the, ch- the chances Connor even entertains this? He can't. He's in Ireland. He can't even get out. So, I mean, that was the other thing that they were discussing, like, that Khabib might be able to get, like, a provision to that they would fly him out of the country. But he's not even entertaining that idea. Um, And Connor, like, he's uh, no, it's not going to happen. He's also spoken out about like he, you know, Connor has been very vocal about everything that's been going on. He's like made a huge donation for uh, supplies. Um He's kind of been, listen, you can say a lot negative about Conor McGregor, and I don't think that this erases a lot of the the horrible stuff he's been attached to, but he has, he's got an enormous platform and he has used this for a lot of awareness and also putting his money where his mouth is as well, getting behind this and, and trying to help. Mm-hmm. One final news item, Way. Can you provide us an update on what is going on with Hanakamura on Terrace House? Oh my, oh my. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to ask me about this. So uh, Kimura, as many people know, is on the latest season of Terrace House. And before I proceed, I want to make mention that um, Terrace House is particularly divided in like parts. Uh, and this particular season right now in Japan is on its fourth part. So we're in like the fourth portion of the season. In the U.S., they are only up to part two right now. Part three is scheduled to be released next week on the 7th. So in about six days, you'll find that on American or Canadian Netflix. So um, I'm about to get into some spoilers if you consider this spoilers. Uh, But for those of you who don't care and are watching along with us either in Asia or VPN, Hanukkah I would say, has been wonderful on this show. She's been like... Uh, just a just a great energetic presence within the house and you know for a long time she was kind of like in the middle of this like um she had a huge crush on this basketball player and ultimately i would say lost out uh because the basketball player mm, it was kind of strange because like the basketball player ended up kind of falling for somebody else and there was this like love triangle going on but then the basketball player ultimately was like i only care about basketball and he left the house um, so then like Hana kind of moved on to this other guy and who's like a really bad comedian. Um, <laughs> he's a really bad. Wait, you're not spoiling anything. You are like hyping this up. I, I, 
desperately want to watch this. He's a really bad amateur comedian. And so they go on this like it's a it's a it's chaotic like it's the the best i can describe it because like so the the comedian like asked her out to go to this aquarium date and then like there's this other guy in the house who's just like who's interested in another girl and he basically was like hey why don't we make it a double date so i can take this other girl out too but like the comedian um problem is that the comedian is not just you know not a very good comedian but he's also pretty much broke he has no money or so he at like basically ultimately kind of refuses, like says, maybe it's not a good idea for us to go on this expensive date together. So then the other guy's like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll pay for it all. And then the the comedian's like, OK, I guess I'll go with you. So then they're on the date and this comedian, you know, aside from eh, not being very at this moment, very good at his job. I mean, I think it has to be stated is clearly going through some sort of mental mental health crisis. Uh, and, you know, it's it's very interesting to watch in that sense. Nonetheless, like, you know, Hana seems to have no idea about this. And so they're on the date and this comedian dude is just incredibly like, mm, I don't know, uh, removed, I would say. Not very present. And Hana, what she does notice, though, is the fact that he's not paying for anything. And so ultimately, they come back from the house and she is completely turned off from this guy because she thinks he's a cheapskate and he's a freeloader. Like the other dude paid for everything and this dude didn't even, you know... Uh, offer to pay for anything so it, she's already turned off beyond that we see this comedian go to an open mic and he just bombs he bombs so hard he just has this like brain fart and it was like really tough to see so then he goes back to the house and in this same period Hanakamura this is after the Tokyo Dome by the way so like she had just had like the biggest match of her life she comes home to find that her laundry has been washed, including her outfit, by somebody else who forgot to check the laundry um, before putting their own clothes in. Oh, so no. she's coming in. She's like, she's she's talking to her roommate. She's just in total tears because her favorite outfit, the outfit she wore in the Tokyo Dome, is now shrunk. It's completely ruined. It costs her like thousands of dollars. It's custom made, and not only. Is she turned off by this guy who she had a used to have a crush on? Not only is she turned off by him for for you know being a freeloader and being a bad date, this dude now fucked with her career, ruined her Tokyo Dome outfit. So then the guy comes home, and you have to remember this guy just experienced like a terrible bombing. Like he's you know he's already in like a negative mental state. He just like had a terrible showing at this open mic. He comes home, and his former crush is just letting him have it in front of the entire house. Like, you know, she's like, you know, yelling at him for like, you know, being so absent-minded, not caring about like uh, other people's things, not having any motivation in life to like, you know, succeed. He like, she's saying like, he doesn't know the value of hard work, whereas she does. It was just like a terrible blow up. And the whole time the comedian's like, he was just stunned. He was just shocked. And it's not, you know, obviously he knows he did wrong. And I feel for Helena too, because like, from her perspective, this guy's just a loser. But from his perspective, it was just like he was up against the wall. He has no money right now, can't and and can't even do do his career right. So it was just like a like an incredible like catastrophic event that just combined like all these terrible situations into like one thing. And you know, it was really disheartening to see like you know a once budding romance turn into something so ugly. But 
you know, we're like, as a viewer, we're kind of given this perspective of like the comedian's life that Hana isn't. So like, I think the audience watching this is very sympathetic for the comedian, knowing that he didn't really want to do this date in the first place. Cause he didn't think he could pay for it, but you know, he was brought along with, with, with the double date because the other guy basically wanted to use him to get to the other girl. Not only that, I mean, you know, people I think feel for how much he's struggling um, with his career and maybe even mentally. So seeing Hana like react this way to him. And I would say Hana definitely went overboard with like her aggression. Like at one point he flips, she flips his hat off of his head. Um, Like the, the public perception from what I could tell from both North American and Japanese audiences is that this was like a major heel turn for Hana Kimura. So that's kind of where we're at everybody with Terrace House. Damn. Wow. Well, you have brought me up to speed. This is captivating it's a great yeah. show well um look forward to that um i guess how is this is this something easily accessible this current season or is it something people are waiting upon uh as i said um the current parts i believe the the part two is where hana enters so like if you want to get started you can do that right now on netflix but part three drops on the seven so you can use that time to get caught up and uh, part four, the episode I just discussed, will probably eventually be released, uh, probably in several weeks. But there are alternative beans. So okay, yes. Uh, one one final thing here, we do have the uh, the schedule now for Dark Side of the Ring the the rest of the season. So next week, April seventh is the Brawl for All episode, and I haven't seen the episode, but I have seen the the trailer for it. Uh, they have uh, Jim Ross is obviously interviewed, Bart Gunn. The Godfather, uh, but this certainly seems like they are promoting this around another round of Vince Russo versus Jim Cornette. Oh boy! I think okay. the idea is like Jim Cornette like loses his mind during the interview, so uh, that's next week. April fourteenth is uh, Jimmy Snuka and the death of uh, Nancy Argentino. April twenty first is the assassination of Dino Bravo. April twenty eighth, the slap heard round the world covering a uh, Doctor D David Schultz when he went on a. Uh, 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 and slap John Stossel in the ear. May 5th is the big Herb Abrams episode and the fall of the UWF. May 12th is the Road Warriors show. And then the season finale is May 19th, the final days of Owen Hart. Oh, wow. That's ending it. Okay. Yep. That's uh, that's the, the last one. So that's the, uh, the current season of them. And again, we will uh, chat about the New Jack episode Friday on Rewind a Smackdown. But let us move to AEW Dynamite. And we started things, and I've got to say, like, the Empty Arena matches, one of the – or the Empty Arena shows, it's – sometimes it's just so quiet. And when this show started, you couldn't hear a thing. Okay, I actually missed the opening of this. Oh, so I don't, I don't okay. know if you're making a joke. There was no volume for 60 seconds on my feed, at least on oh. TSN. So I don't know if others <laughs> had that issue, but – Oh, I was sorry. Uh, I, I wish I, I could have gone along with that. Um, yeah, no, what, I tuned in a few minutes late. Okay, so <laughs> we did get audio several, like a minute into this, but Cody's trying to interview Pharaoh and I, I couldn't hear. So they're in an undisclosed location. Tony Schiavone is with Cody and Pharaoh is there, um, which is what led me to believe that this was uh, closer to Cody's home than uh, taking Pharaoh all the way to Florida. Could be. I, I'm sure maybe we'll get the details at some point. And then we had uh, the return of the wrestlers in the audience, uh, but 
not a gigantic number of them. We had on one side Britt Baker, Penelope Ford, Kip Sabian, and Jimmy Havoc, and they were spaced apart. And then you had the bros, Billy and Austin Gunn, just like arm in arm hanging out together all night long. And these two were just like – it was appropriate that they were plugging Dumb and Dumber following – <laughs> AEW Dynamite, because this was like watching Harry and Lloyd, these two, throughout the night. Right. They did like the the high five where they miss. They were like taking selfies together at different points of the night. Like just <laughs> – they just was like uh, the most bizarre father-son combo. But It's anyway. kind of kind of adorable, kind of cute. Like these it's, guys are best friends. I, I don't know too many father-son relationships like this. Like these guys seem like they're – like they're, they come across way more like brothers than mm-hmm. father-son. So they reveal the full bracket for the TNT Championship Tournament as they had announced on Dark, Cody versus Sean Spears and Darby Allin against Sammy Guevara. Uh, rematches from previous pay-per-views. That will be on one side of the bracket. And then on the other half, we have Dustin Rhodes versus Kip Sabian and Lance Archer versus Colt Cabana. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I imagine... I. You know, a combination of who's available and I think who kind of fits that mid to upper tier of talent. And they're really, I mean, Cody flat out teased that him and Dustin are on opposite ends of the bracket, could meet in the finals. And just looking at this, it really seems to be set up for Cody and Darby in the second round with Lance Archer and Dustin Rhodes in the second round. And I'm thinking it's going to be Cody and Archer in the finals. That would be my guess. Sounds like a good tournament to me. I mean, if ultimately you would assume it's it's for Lance Archer, but it could it could even be for Cody. Yeah, I wonder. I think it's early to beat Archer. I could I would say Archer would be my my pick to to win this whole thing. Um, it beats Cody yet again because I think. So, sorry, sorry, I think Cody's Cody's first title win. It should be like if these are all they'd have to be like empty arena matches. Mm-hmm. I just think. There's no rush for Cody to me. Like he's super over, and if you're going to do this, I, I think it makes more sense with Archer at the moment. Does it? Does the TNT Championship denote that it has to be defended every week? They have not said that. Um, yeah, I would not. I, I get. I guess I would think not. But um, uh, who would defend it more? I guess it doesn't matter, right? Uh, it depends how many guys can take choke slams into the crowd. Archer yeah. could do that every week. Uh, ring announcer tonight, not Brandy Rhodes. Instead, it was Dasha Gonzalez being used as the ring announcer. Uh, and Brandy kind of um, falling into a managerial role instead. This yes. Week. Yes. So Kenny Omega and Trent started things off, and Cody is on commentary. And in this, he brings up Kenny Omega being number one in the PWI 500, and that every wrestler tells you the PWI 500 doesn't matter, but every single one asks, Where did I rank? <laughs> Uh, they mentioned Omega's on a six-match winning streak. Uh, we also had Chucky and Orange Cassidy in corners. And Tony Schiavone starts off. He thanks all the fans for being here tonight. We are here for your entertainment. And I'm kind of like writing down these notes. He's like, and we are up against the ropes now. And I just look up. I'm like, oh, that's quite the observation about the world scene. And no, it was Kenny Omega had Trent literally up against the ropes. And he was making a literal description. You thought he was being poetic. I thought he was like about, you know, this is starting to get a little uncomfortable. But Tony Schiavone giving like a big pep talk, like in the locker room, I think would be great. This is the greatest match of your lifetimes. This will be the biggest 
thing you guys will ever do. This is the greatest night in the history of our sport. Yes. The, and you know what? One day we're going to return to pay-per-view and it's going to be bigger than the greatest pay-per-view of all time, World War Three, 1995. Out now and rewind away this week. We spoke, We chatted for over two and a half hours about this show. I have no idea how. But <laughs> I didn't either, I did. but I, I looked down at the end. I was like, that was really long that we spent on World War Three. We went heavy into WCW 1995. Because we haven't been able to talk about WCW in such a long time that I think we have to get it, so much out of our system. It was kind of like a recap of like the first three months of Nitro. Um, so anyway, that's up there for patrons if you want to check that out. Trent attacks Omega's hand. Uh, Omega then lifts him off the apron for this deadlift German onto the floor and Trent comes back and there's this giant steel post that, I mean, deserved a payoff by the end of this night because the steel post had a lot of spots to remember. Trent took a, a power bomb into this steel post. Uh, he fights back, hits uh, the, the sliding German off the rope to Omega. We come back from a commercial break and Dasha is announcing five minutes remain in the 20 minute time limit. Omega picks things up, hits a Snapdragon, V-Trigger, and then finally lands another knee and the one-winged angel right as Dasha announces there is one minute remaining and Omega pins Trent. Uh, so just after 19 minutes, they went here and afterwards a fist bump of approval from Omega and Trent. I thought this was your, you know, a pretty usual Kenny Omega match, except, you know, of course, in an empty arena, like, which is to say I, I, the moves are spectacular. But there's still something like kind of unsettling to me about seeing a Kenny Omega ma- match of this type in this environment. He has these like big moves that create these big impacts and he makes these great, big, exaggerated facial expressions. It's a style that to me like heavily relies on an audience being there to react in a bigger setting. Um, and I was also, I, I, you know, again, good match, but I, I, I can't say I wasn't d- disappointed by the lack of creativity in this match. Especially for somebody like Kenny, who has spent as much time as he has in like you know unconventional environments like you know wrestling in DDT, I feel like I've, I've been waiting for him to kind of take advantage of this empty arena setting a little bit more. Instead, I just kind of find him like he's doing the same type of match he would be doing if there was a a, a full crowd there, which I kind of expect a little bit more. Just like how you know we expect wrestling promos if they're taking place in front of an empty arena now on uh you know WWE to be adjusted and slightly different for an empty arena crowd. Um, I kind of expect my wrestling matches at this point now to, to be slightly adjusted as well, especially from somebody of the caliber of Kenny Omega. They recapped the Jericho Matt Hardy segment from last week. And then Hikaru Shida took on Anna J build from Atlanta. And Cody mentioned was trained by QT Marshall and Ray Glacier Lloyd. And is also coming off shoulder surgery. So this was also Anna J and that J was with two Ys. I imagine Anna J, I mean, probably brings up a billion search results. Could. Uh, I thought the the second Y was Y2. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, man, I'm auditioning for <laughs> Terrace House now. Okay, J kicks out of a knee and hits a running blockbuster. She did this awful backslide where she didn't even like lock the arms and... Cody had the magnifying glass out and was not going to let that go unnoticed. Um, Then uh, Sheeta went for a triangle. Jay got to the ropes and Cody goes all Gordon Soley here. Not suplex, suplex. Yes, yes, that's right. Didn't he say that there was a difference? Um, I I just always understood it that that was like the, the official proper pronunciation of it. 
Suple. Okay. Yeah. It was one. I'm pretty sure Moro even brought it out like a time or two, but even he like defers to suplex. It just sounds awkward. It sounds. It does sound strange. It's like suple. It's just you're just so ingrained in your mind. And and let's be honest, like Kenny Omega with the snap dragon suple. It just doesn't really sound as vicious. I think as the hard X at the end. No, it sounds kind of fancy pants. You know. Yeah. Like it's like the, you know, what do you call that stuff? Creme Souffle? creme fraiche. Oh, of suplexes, yeah, that that too. Do you remember the the hotel we stayed at in Japan, and we would walk back, and they always had those uh, Sundays in the in the window. No, do you remember this? What hotel? was this cafe? The the hotel we stayed at. Uh, Sundays like ice cream. Yeah, you don't remember this at all. No, what are you talking about? Okay, let's move on. Um, Michinoku Driver by Hikaru Shida, and she won this in four minutes and 58 seconds. It was a match. (laughs) I'm kind of curious about this story. (laughs) I was only, it only is a story if you had remembered it, but it was like this. we would we would walk back, and I always like saw this. It was like this window, and it had all these like desserts, and it had like these di- every imaginable Sunday imaginable on display. And then on the final night, I went down there by myself and tried one. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, and that's wh- it. What was the point of trying it, or my story? Your story. Why did you bring it up? I had no point. I was just making an observation that we were talking about desserts, and I remember oh. that. It was a stream of consciousness that I was aware of that I was pulling back from, but you forced me to go down the the road complete. So no, I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad you scratched the itch. Um, I had I had ice cream on January 10th. All this from a discussion about two plays. Okay, cool. Uh, d- decent showcase for Hikaru Shida. I thought they, they also had a nice video feature on her that preceded the match. Yes, yes, yes. And this seems to begin some sort of feud with Britt Baker, who was ringside. Yeah, she had gone off to get something to eat and came back and said the match was so long and boring that she had to get something to eat. For definitely, if we're going to have best empty arena match of the year, best empty arena wrestler slash fan of the year was Britt Baker tonight, who was tremendous in her, her limited on-screen appearances. She's a, she, would ha- she would have another gem later in the night. Yeah, she, I, never th- I never thought I would enjoy her so much as a heel, but here she is. She's fantastic. I, I just think she's great. Even if she's... Uh, she had 10 seconds of interaction with Hikaru Shida here, and I laughed out loud at this. John Moxley and Jake Hager. This was a big video package previewing their upcoming fight. Hager thinks that Moxley is an idiot. Moxley, who uh, shot his promo, this is at Daly's place, so it would have been done last week. Uh, he's a miserable, pissed-off bastard, and he calls AEW the hottest promotion in the world. They also did a sit-down with Jericho, who was not there this week, and calls Moxley uh, crazy and a maverick. And they have Bellator footage of Hager using the arm triangle. Hager says that he doesn't have the same aggression that he possesses. He's undefeated in MMA. Jericho notes that I have a rematch with John Moxley, but I'm not using it right now. I want Hager to win the title because they're united as the inner circle. Moxley says that everyone has a weakness. He's going to find that weakness of Hager's. And in two weeks, 
They're going to have an empty arena, no-holds-barred match for the AEW title. So that will be on April 15th. He also said he knew Hager really well because the two of them have ridden the roads together listening to the jerky, le- <laughs> jerky Boys. Which is a car ride that I would jump out of the window from after about 10 minutes. Maybe we'll just get some like Jerky Boys references in the middle of the match. Yeah, maybe know. maybe there's going to be a, a prank call telling Jake Hager, actually, it's in three weeks. <laughs> and I'll get him to do something. Yeah, good video. Like, I mean, you know, videos like this, I just just help tell the story and also just make the match feel bigger than than it will be if you just went went at it cold. Yeah, I like the video. Built up the match well, and uh, yeah, they, like they gave you an uh, uh, a re- reasonable doubt in, in your mind if, if like Hager could win this match, and you've got Jericho's support behind Hager, and you know it's a. Uh, it's a big match for Jake Hager to have, you know, a standout match with uh, Moxley. At this point, Cody tags out and Colt Cabana is with Tony Schiavone for the second half of the show. Uh, what did you feel about Cody this week versus last week? And conversely, uh, Cabana. I like Cody. Um, I I think he brings, you know, uh, he definitely wants to show off his historical knowledge. Um and I can't say I dislike it. You know, I think he brings a seriousness a seriousness to the broadcast that, um, unfortunately, I didn't feel the same way about with Colt. I, I think Colt, to me, just has, like, such a jokey vibe to him. It's fun. It's fun for a certain type of match. But, like, with AEW and, you know, especially with, like, a gimmick like a, the Dark Order, you really need somebody with, like, a more kind of serious, credible voice in order to, like, actually get me scared of them. Like... Colt kind of talking about the Dark Order was was more like, hey, look at these idiots, you know, like it. I I didn't think it fit as well. Uh, we had a, another tape promo from Jake Roberts, which uh, again it was notable at least tonight on on the broadcast. Um, no Jake Roberts, no Tully Blanchard as well in the main event. So I mean that seems obvious that they, especially after that first week, have you know limited who's who's traveling. Like it's a skeleton crew that they're. They're utilizing at the moment, but he tapes the promo. Uh, he says Archer is about to destroy whatever they have cooked up for him. Lance Archer is pissed and they're delaying the inevitable. He tells Cody to stop and maybe he's being smart and uh, and being afraid or his better half is telling him not to go because he's pretty sure that Brandy wears the pants. Yeah. Yep. That was it. Uh, Lance Archer, Marco Stunt. Archer comes out. He oh, we mur- should mention uh, Marco Stunt lost his grandmother this week. So uh, oh, I wasn't even I wasn't even actually I did I did see that. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's uh, yeah very. That Terrible. was just a few days ago. Mm-hmm. So I mean I don't know when this match necessarily took place, but I mean nonetheless I mean, it, I'm sure he was in, in in a difficult mental state. So our condolences to him and his family. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't even remember that during this match. Yeah, some uh, yeah, very unfortunate news. Uh, Lance Archer came out here and he took out one of the PAs who was just unconscious on the floor. So there are no young boys, of course, in AEW. So you kind of have to resort to PAs. I was happy not to see the water spit. Well, I mean, Harold May was really ahead of the curve by stopping that months and months ago. So I don't think that's something AEW should be resurrecting. Um. He eats his forearms from Marco and then drops them with one shot. And then it was, I mean, this was Lance Archer getting to be a monster and against uh, 
probably the most perfect person to just be thrown around. Like this was like he was a pinball for Lance Archer. Mm-hmm. Just a, a release of vertical suplex, a twisting side slam. Marco just flew all over the place here. Marco ducked the clothesline, then got hit with a choke slam. Or sorry, went for the choke slam. Marco lands on his feet and runs at him with drop kicks and then got hit with this enormous pounce. Another choke slam. Pulls up Marco at the count of two and hits the blackout to win this match in 345. Afterwards, though, he takes Marco to the edge of the apron and he lifts up Marco and choke slams him over the guardrail to land on the Gun Brothers and Orange Cassidy. And I will just say, watching the replay, Orange Cassidy like j- saved Marco here because he was coming straight down to the floor. Oh my God, looks like a rough catch rough landing for everybody i mean cassidy at least got some kind of a grip on him but it was at least this was on montez ford but this was man this was rough it was yeah but as a debut for lance archer i he couldn't have asked for a better opponent um stunt was like really the perfect choice for any giant but you know especially the somebody the size of archer who is he the tallest guy is he taller than wardlow or um, i don't think he's taller than luchasaurus oh yeah okay um, never mind then but, you know, stunt I thought was... But, but you know what? I thought even if, like, Luchasaurus wasn't here, this was so smart to not have Luchasaurus there for that exact reason. Sure. Like, I don't want to see these two look eye to eye um, and just take away, like, Lance looked eight feet taller next to Marco Stunt than what he is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, this was a very entertaining squash, and, you know, this is... It's a type of match that I think would work with an audience or without an audience. He looked great here. And I guess you're right last week that there is no EBD claw now. He's doing a choke slam. Yeah, he's just, uh, I guess they're just utilizing uh, this, at least for, for this match they did. So next week it's him and Colt Cabana. And Cabana was just making, you know, that I'm going to, I am a serious threat for Lance Archer. Like he was calling out that probably everyone thinks that Lance is going to run through him, but he will use his comedy and whatever else he has to use to beat Lance Archer, which uh, I don't know what his prospects are going to be of that. Well, if you make somebody laugh, they're not as focused. Um, I don't know. Maybe he's going to have uh, a deck of cards and he's going to draw 22. I thought that's where J- Jake was going to go with his promo. Oh. <laughs> he's like all talking about casino things. Yeah. Well... I mean, remember he did the the dealing for the um yes. the casino yes. battle royale uh, yes. where they had uh, certainly like that that opportunity. Brody Lee and the Dark Order have this uh, pre recorded um, scene where there's a static screen in the background. Uh, Brody Lee is all dressed up and he's addressing the minions that are seated at the table. He says he was once lost and downtrodden and beaten down. Now he is the exalted one, and they go to call him. Mr. Lee, and he said, it's Mr. fucking Brody. And he breaks a glass against the wall as they failed to say we are one the proper way. And he's upset that one of them yawns and tiredness displays weakness. Now, so are these Vincisms too? I'm sure the yawning was uh, probably... In the same vein of the the sneezing, yawning, I, I haven't heard as much as the sneezing, but um, I don't know. This was like less Vincey and more so. I mean, if if there were some, like it's more so going to be people that have been around Vince that are going to get a chuckle out of it, and more so 
Like he's just this militant character. Yeah. I imagine, you know, they, they, I don't think they can just rely on like this being a straight up, like Vince McMahon insider impression. And at some point they're going to have to just like use Vince as an influence, but you know, take it in its own direction. And maybe that's kind of what we saw here. I thought it was decent. You know, Um, I, I think to me, it seems like they're still figuring this character out as they go along. How hard do they go with the Vince impressions? What kind of character does, does this guy sound like? I didn't think this was a home home run segment out of the gate, but I do look forward to seeing them continue to evolve. I think that Harper's promos are going to, you know, I, I think he's like a good talker. And I was I was expecting this week that someone was going to have a southern accent and he was going to murder them. Oh, because of um, <laughs> Brody Lee? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but they didn't do that. So Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall. This is the debut of what are they? The nightmare, the natural nightmares, the natural nightmares, or something yeah. like that. They had they had a name. So they came out. They had brandy with them, and they were taking on eight and nine of the Dark Order, the minions. I like that. I like that they, they're they're known as numbers, number eight and number numbers. nine. Well, who yeah. are one and six? I guess. Okay, so it's the the Smash Brothers. Brody Lee, Brody Lee, I, I, the exalted one is number one. So then the John Smash- Silver and Alex Reynolds, yeah, uh, five. Uno and Grayson, that would be five. Uh, so yeah, who are six and seven? Six and are we seven. Aware? Who's that? That heavy guy in all the the motivational videos? Is he? Is he in this? Oh, okay. You would assume that's six or seven, the, and then you have the pub, okay. the speaker. So that would be seven, and this is eight and nine. Eight and nine. Okay. This did cool. lead to Colt asking Tony. Do you know why six is afraid of seven? And I'm ready for the punchline. And instead, he, he gives this long, drawn-out uh, answer instead. And I don't think Tony probably even knew the original uh, cause seven, eight, nine joke. Yes, yes. Anyway. Yep. No, this is kind of what I mean. It's like doesn't – it's, it's hilarious. In fairness, how do you even call this seriously? Like I, I don't know. It's like it's Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall against uh, eight and nine. Then why and do that's the all they have to. But the boy do the gimmick at all. Um, I'm I'm not a big fan of these like the Putty Patrol here. Um, I'm still thinking like the number one and two and three are still you know in the infancy stages of trying to get over. But I would hate to be one or two. That'd be the worst. Um, yeah. So so you know, did I miss like a backstage skit or something? And why why are Dustin and QT Marshall a tag team now? I mean, they've been uh, kind of linked through this whole nightmare thing. Like, they've been teaming on yeah. Dark, haven't they? Oh, have they? I don't I know. I think so, yeah. Okay. Um, hey, did you notice? They chanted, the wrestlers chanted, you still got it at Dustin at the beginning. <laughs> That's funny. Was it a smaller ring this week? Sorry, say that again. Was it a smaller ring this week? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it difficult. Smaller? It's difficult to tell, but I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just used to like watching WWE because it certainly didn't look like twenty by twenty. I don't know what AEW usually uses, but I was just curious if you noticed. Well, I imagine like if they were at you know another, um, like there's, they may have just been using a gym that like had a ring that they could you know just put their branding over, so it might not have been like typical sized ring that they're used to using. That's possible. Um, this one went, uh, QT made a comeback here after eight and nine briefly had him in the corner. 
Dustin came in, power slam, sent on off the apron, and then they used a double-team flapjack uh, to get the win in four minutes and 12 seconds. Um, good match, lots of you know high energy. I think Dustin and QT are a good team. They came here with like a fully formed tag team package with a name, a logo, even like a double-team finishing move. Um, so I'm actually looking at some photos of um, QT Marshall's wrestling school, and they've got like a green field. Well, that's when you when I was watching it, like you can see, you know, that's where they they shot so many of those road twos there that if you were going to do it in Georgia, that would be the location, wouldn't it? Yeah, you would think so. So yeah, I wonder. Um, I mean, to me, it was you just assume like I, I I would just imagine that if it was in Georgia, like that would be, you know, the the easiest place to go. Although I just this place looked like a fairly decent sized warehouse. And I just I didn't know how big uh, QT Marshall's school was, but that very well could be um, where it was. Mm-hmm. So Colt plugs Dumb and Dumber coming on after Dynamite. And then Brody Lee comes out, stares at the two and he attacks one of them with a power bomb, but not the other. So I don't know if this was eight or nine, but um, one of them was uh, maybe maybe it was written off here with this power bomb. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you'll ever see eight or nine again. Um, yeah. Well, he, he spared one of them. Maybe this was the yawner that Seven. was gone. The yawner is goner. Sure. Yep. Okay. Then we had. Uh, <laughs> The best video I've watched this whole week um, with uh, I, I guess I guess I should preface that by saying there, there were some great promos on Raw, but I thought this video was great. We go for an update and Chris Jericho is at his palatial estate and all I could think about at the beginning of this when Chris Jericho first won the undisputed title. This was in 2001, right around Christmas time. There was an episode might have been SmackDown. And Chris Jericho is at a pool and he's got both titles on and he's just cutting his promo from his pool. And I swear, this was one of Dan Levransky's favorite promos of all time. And I it had to have been like eight years that he would just invariably bring this promo up once a year in some discussion about how awesome it was, Chris Jericho looking like Nick Bockwinkle with the titles in the pool. And that's immediately what I thought of here was how much Dan Levransky must have loved this promo. Just just from the first shot before a word came out of Chris's mouth. I remember that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> pools are great places for heels to cut promos. So Jericho is in his I, hot tub, pool, whichever, his outdoor pool. And he notes that today is a holiday. It's April Fool's Day, and there are no bigger fools than the elite. He brings up pumpkin head, the pumpkin-headed dipshit Kenny Omega. Nick Jackson is on paternity leave. Hangman is uh, tipsy with his horse. And then there's the Tiger King himself, Cody Exotic. <laughs> and by the way, have you found the nwa show that they have put up on reddit it's a two-hour nwo show nwa show with joe exotic doing commentary for the whole show uh that i have not no um god can i handle that no i la- i lasted 10 seconds and i turned it <laughs> off and then 
he refers to Matt Hardy as dumbass. And this is when Vanguard One flies into his palatial estate and is circling over Jericho, who hears the buzzing and says that Jericho's finishing his promo saying that the elite are still going to have to face the inner circle in blood and guts, but he sees Vanguard One, jumps out of the pool. This there there were some funny lines in this, but the funniest visual in this was this dude is in the fucking pool in pants. He's wearing pants. I know, that's ridiculous. Yeah. He got out and he his pants was his belt still on even? Like his actual pants belt? He was he was barefoot with like like pleather or leather pants on in the pool. And I just thought like the sight gag of this was just <laughs> I just thought this was so ridiculous. He offers a miniature inner circle shirt to Vanguard One, clips it onto the drone, and then as the drone uh turns down the offer, he Jericho's chasing it down, throws the bottle of the bubbly, and then yells to release the hounds as all of these animals on his property start going after the drone. And he yells that the bastard stole my T-shirt. Your lack of reaction is telling me you didn't enjoy this as much as I do, but I thought this was funny as hell. I thought it was I thought great. This... I thought it was really okay. funny. Uh, okay, you weren't reacting there. I I really thought this was pretty fucking funny. Yeah, I thought I thought it was hilarious. I mean, uh... the the program like. I was not as as high on Jericho and Matt Hardy last week. The the heat, it's Jericho and Vanguard one that to me is like that's the sizzle of of this program right now. I could watch these two every week. They're, I mean, it's maybe what um, Mitch and Mitch the Potted Plant was supposed to be. They get to do it again. It is yeah, it was great. It was excellent. Yeah, so some funny stuff here. Some tremendous chemistry. Uh, I would say. Vanguard One is my leading candidate for best non-wrestler this year. Certainly up there. Yeah. Might do a match by the end of the year, so wouldn't might not be able to qualify for the award. Yeah, I think that'd be dangerous. Have you been around a drone? Like those those things can cut you pretty bad. Could gas out too. Ooh. Yeah. Then we had the tee up for next week. So they're gonna do Cody against Sean Spears next week. And then in two weeks, it's Colt versus Lance Archer and John Moxley versus Jake Hager for the title. Mm-hmm. And they did say next week. It wasn't next Dynamite. It, they did say next week. You would assume that they taped these matches beforehand. I would think so. I, I would think that all these matches are probably been done, if not some of them are taped, you would mm-hmm. think. Then we went on location to uh, Rancho Cucamonga, Florida, Florida, California. For an update on the Young Bucks. And it's been a month since Nick was hurt. And so Matt Hardy, I guess this was, uh, he had the same reaction that Paul Levesque did when Edge said he didn't want to be spotted. They sent Nick a ring. Um, It seems like the appropriate thing to do. Yeah. So all yeah. these wrestlers, they just need their own rings. Matt called it one of the most terrifying moments of his life when he saw Nick taken away in the ambulance. Nick has no memory of how he was attacked. He doesn't know who did it, so we got a mystery. And you can't take life for granted, uh, but Nick says he is not yet ready to return. Well produced, well shot here. This was like, you know, a higher production level than your typical BTE segment. It was a nice little update. Yep. 
And the main event, Sammy Guevara, Sean Spears against Cody and Darby Allen. Guevara was vlogging at the beginning and then tried to get a kiss from Brandy, who took his phone. And to our recollection, uh, Sammy never got it back. So maybe she'll be doing the vlogging. She should be on the next vlog. It should be like she her footage gets uploaded to the channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, they beat down on Darby for a while. He gets run into the guardrail. And then Sammy and Spears start making bets about how long they can hold Darby in the air with delayed vertical suplexes. They're, bet- they're just throwing money onto the mat, which, I mean, at this time period, it, they are encouraging, like, only, <laughs> like, credit cards and debit, like, non-money at this point, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of tough to to bet with PayPal, but... Cody gets the tag moments later. He tosses the weightlifting belt to Brandy, and then he applies a a really bad sharpshooter to Sammy Guevara. Yeah. Um, it wasn't pretty, no. Not, not, not that uh, aesthetically pleasing here. But then he went right to the figure four on Spears, which got broken up with Guevara doing a standing shooting star. Uh, we saw... Sammy go for a springboard into a reverse cutter that was caught and then hit with the crossroads. That looked really good. Spears then sends Cody over the rail. Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian beat down on Cody and Britt gets in on the attack, attacking Cody with her shoe. With her shoe and she was holding up her shoe to the camera to show off. She was excellent on this show. She was very entertaining. Very entertaining. They go through another break. Tony Schiavone, I mean... This guy, what a what a great person Tony Schiavone is. Throughout this show, he's constantly bringing up how much Jim Ross has missed, Excalibur has missed, like just constantly bringing it up, and then goes out of his way to promote Jim Ross's book. Um, yeah, I mean they did have the lower third prepared, right? Like, I just thought Tony went like above and beyond to really um. Make Jim Ross's presence felt on this show. Oh, sure. Yes, yes. By the way, uh, they are doing an after show. That's they right. Are. The, the, the um, Jim Ross, Taz, and Excalibur. Mm-hmm. They're calling it the post show. We don't own that term. Oh, do we not? No. Oh, dear. Darby gets dropped on the railing. Spears hit the C4 onto Cody. And then all of a sudden, they're asking, where did Darby go? We can't see him. Darby has scaled that steel pole that had part of Trent's spine attached to it from earlier in the night. And Darby does the most insane coffin drop off of this post, dropping onto Spears and Guevara. This was insane. Oh, my God. He just got up there and went for it. And I didn't expect to like have these types of reactions for an empty arena match. But, man, uh, it was breathtaking watching this dive. So he goes for another one in the ring, but gets tossed off the buckle. Cody hits the inverted superplex onto Guevara, but then is hit with a frog splash from Spears. Spears gets the chair, and they're going to... Spears is teasing, delivering another chair shot to Cody. Darby pulls the chair away, but then as he turns around to get rid of the chair, he is rolled up by Spears, and Darby gets pinned. Yeah, um... You know, very entertaining match. Uh, interesting how they had Darby take the pinfall in order to set up uh, further, uh, like a bit of a um, 
a rift between a Cody rift. and Allen. Because exactly. after this, Darby just decks Cody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought it was a really entertaining match. I, and again, usually, as usually, is usually the case, I thought Darby Allen stole the show. He's just amazing. Just moves with so much like speed, so much precision. And to top it all off with that amazing coffin drop off of a pillar, it was crazy. You know, as much as Lance Archer and Cody feels like the logical final, you know, it's not like that's a match you can get to at some point. Like, it would not shock me that Darby beats Cody and then loses to Lance Archer in the final either. Sure. Yeah. I'm sure they would, you know, they want you to think of several directions that they they can go. Because that would be huge for Darby. He gets the win over Cody. And Cody, you can see, sees, like, is so high on Darby Allen. Um, that that might be where they go with things because Archer and Cody is maybe maybe it's too obvious and you don't have to give it away in this tournament in an empty arena. Mm-hmm. So maybe they save it. I will say the greatest transition ever was Tony Schiavone saying, we've got Dumb and Dumber coming up next. And boom, Darby clocks Cody and they had to shift tone immediately. <laughs> it was awesome. That was the end of AEW Dynamite. So uh, tonight's show, I will say that they're... Um, there was there was definitely some high points to this show. I enjoyed the main event. I really enjoyed the Jericho skit as well. And a lot of the pre-produced features were very strong here. Uh, the Bucks feature, the Hager, John Moxley one. Um, I would say, and the introduction of Lance Archer was great with uh, Marco Stunt. Um, yeah, yeah, it was like overall, like it was a pretty good episode of Dynamite, I would say. Yeah, I given, would say. Especially I, given the environment. Yes, yes. I thought an entertaining show. Uh, I, I I enjoyed the Archer debut. I enjoyed the main event. Uh, you know, this show needs a destination. They've kind of found that with this um, ter- uh, tournament, the TNT Championship Tournament. So uh, I think they're really doing as much as they can. Last week felt like it was a bit of an aimless show because I don't, I'm sure everything got changed in the last second. But this week, it feels like they're doing a lot of preparation, doing a lot of pre-taping to just ensure, I guess, a um, you know, steady stream of content, even if production were to be shut down. Uh, before we get to feedback, uh, I, I didn't see much of NXT, but the commentary for NXT was uh, Tom Phillips and Sam Roberts. And I only saw the first, like, 20 minutes of the show, and you never see them on camera, and I'm imagining they just, because that was the weekend they were doing all the all the tapings and everything, that they probably just did the commentary back uh, back in Stanford or or some location in the Northeast rather than than there. That would make sense. Yeah. So anyway, they once they went to the second commercial break for Velveteen Dream and Bobby Fish, it was a uh, time to move over to AEW time. Um, anything else you want to talk about from that show? That that was all I saw. It was uh, it, it was very flat, and it was like two segments of this match, and then we were going to our second commercial break. I was like, this is a uh, this is a long time dedicated for this Velveteen Dream match. Um, I believe um, somebody made their debut. Jake. Jake something. Oh, Jake debut. Atlas. Jake, Jake Atlas, Atlas debuted, yes. and Dakota Kai qualified for the ladder match that they'll run next week on NXT. Next week, they've got – next week's the big NXT show. That's got Gargano and Ciampa and the ladder match. Cool. All right. Let's go to feedback. Um we had more feedback for Dynamite, I think, within three minutes of you posting this than we did for Raw on Monday night. Oh, yeah. No doubt. So I, I feel be- I, I feel like our feedback is a bit of a correlation to the ratings that we're getting. 
because we were very low on Monday night, and it turned out to be the lowest number of the year, and one of the lowest of all time. Hmm. Interesting. Tonight, what do you think this one got, Way? Did this hit a did this hit a seven territory? I'm gonna say yes, because I just looked at it. No. Seven point five six. Sean from Glasgow. Another good dynamite this week. Everything moved along quick, and the show was bookended by two good matches. It's been great to hear Tony Schiavone on play by play the last few weeks, and Cole Cabana was probably the best choice to join him tonight. Jericho's vignette with Vanguard 1 was too silly for its own good. It made me laugh out loud at points, but he should try to keep some credibility. The video package for Moxley and Jake Hager has me looking forward to their match in two weeks. I'm mostly relieved. That means it's not the main event for Double or Nothing. I didn't ever think that they'd hold that off till Double or Nothing. But yeah, this is a perfectly fine television main event. Well, who knows if Double or Nothing will even happen? He gives this show seven, eight, and nines out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. We go to McGuire who says, in many ways, AEW actually feels better and fresher with this new format. The Moxley Jericho back and forth was awesome. Jake the Snake continues to impress. Similarly to WWE, the transition to longer pre-tape promos has been a refreshing change of pace. Hikaru Shida still seems a bit green in terms of her in-ring work, but she's got some real babyface charisma when they let her get out of the ring. Uh, sorry, get out when they get her out of the big multi-woman shit shows and let her shine in a singles match. The tease with Britt Baker makes me hopeful AEW will have some real characters and storylines develop in its women's division. Sammy Guevara is awesome and needs to be pushed at some point. Am I crazy or did there appear to be some post-production editing in this match? It briefly went blurry right before the first commercial during a, the Lope Suicida spot. And Cole Capanna even mentioned the first one didn't work, but the second one sure did on commentary. For what these shows are, AEW makes the most out of it. 8 out of 10. Yeah, I, I don't know for sure, but I would imagine this was like last week where there was probably some taped content on the show. Last week, it was like a, there was uh, – we know that the Darby Allen-Kip Sabian match was taped and that final segment with Jericho and Matt Hardy was taped. Um, you would think they're probably doing something similar. That would be my guess. Mm -hmm. Without having to like wait for the sky to turn dark this time. That's right. There are benefits to having a roof. Mm-hmm. Andrew from Cape Breton, AEW seems to know how to do these shows better, which seems to be the trend for the past number of weeks. I'm guessing they taped numerous episodes on that set tonight, which had a nice ambience to it with the bright lights by the entrance contrasted with how dim the ringside area was. Lots of good stuff tonight, but one highlight was Lance Archer and Marco's stunt. Marco has become the modern day Spike Dudley, and this was one of the best squash matches I've seen since Braun Strowman got over the first time around. The Murderhawk monster name is a bit of a mouthful, though. I also like the stuff with Brody Lee. I like them using Vince-isms in real life. If you want to have a character that is supposed to be this megalomaniac who has weird quirks and wants to bend reality to suit him, Vince McMahon is the perfect person to parody. It's not AEW's fault that Vince is insane. Anyway, great show, 7 out of 10. We get Jake from the Windy City who says, Overall, this wasn't the best episode of Dynamite without an audience, but it felt much livelier than last week with a few more people at ringside. They did a decent job of setting up future matches in the upcoming weeks, and it felt like all the major story points got touched in a way that advanced the story. Very interesting end to the show, probably forecasting an eventual match in the TNT Championship Tournament. I like the idea of babyfaces not always getting along, and Cody and Darby did a nice job of selling their uneasy partnership at the start, and it paid off with the ending. The match itself felt overly long, but I think they were in a rough spot when it comes to available talent. 6 out of 10. Seems like this episode has taken place at the Nightmare Factory in Georgia. The yellow pole, ceiling, lights, and turf markings line up with what was being shown tonight on TV. Chris Thunder from Down Under. 
He says the positives of tonight's show was Omega Trent was great uh, to open the show. Lance Archer still having a Suzuki gun inspired entrance where instead of the young lions, it's the ring crew he murders. And the Jericho Vanguard one promo was gold. Negatives. Cody, stop bringing the dog to work. Running a tournament to crown a TV champion right now should be the least of your worries. While some crowd noise is good, given the current health warnings, it seems irresponsible to a degree. Overall, an okay show to sit back and relax to, given the current state of the world. But my God, do AEW need to start pre-taping in advance? And it seems like they are. Yeah, it does seem so. And I mean, they... I, I will say this about, like, the people ringside, like, they're... I think definitely in the main event, you were over 10, but I think throughout most of the show, it, like the numbers seem pretty um, low, like right around like what would have been 10. It was certainly not like a few weeks ago where they had so many people out there and and older individuals as well that made it uh, to me kind of a tougher. Like they are operating with a much lower um, number of people. Not now. that much lower. Uh, than, Especially than, by the main than event. Two weeks ago. Yeah, I, I I said like the main event. It was certainly over ten, but I would say throughout most of the show, um, like and when just you figure the, in the, the ring crew and every and the camera crew and everything. I don't think it's that gigantic a number though. Well, you had one, two, three, four, one, two, three in the ring, like that's already seven, and then three camera, whatever. It's somewhere around there. All right, we got a Raymond from Sacramento who says, for whatever reason, last week's Dynamite didn't have a crowd populated by wrestlers. I thought the show was good, but the lack of additional ambience was left was felt. Today at an undisclosed location, wink wink, they had the face and heel crowd and it added everything back like the first week at Daly's Place. Overall, a great show. Really good one, one-to-one opener, good showing by Anna J against Sheeta, an incredible destruction of Marco by a debuting murder hawk, and a fun wild tag to end it. 10 out of 10 show. 10 out of 10. And I haven't even mentioned Orange Cassidy's blank sign, Jericho versus Vanguard, and all this other stuff. AEW's ability to change on the fly depending on the circumstances is impressive. Noah writes, Out of the three shows that AEW has done in these empty arena settings, I thought this was the second best one they've done. They did a good job with the video packages and pre-tapes all night, and I thought as a whole the video production team did a great job with the amount of packages they produced. The opening and closing matches were both really good, and somehow these guys have me looking forward to a Dean Ambrose versus Jack Swagger match in 2020. Very weird. Eight or nine out of ten. Okay, we got a Nick from Lansing who says, Really incredible show. If you're looking to forget about the stresses of the outside world for the most part, Trent and Kenny had a really strong opening match, making great use of the new temporary location, introducing the audience to it. The women's match was great. Sheeta looked strong, but also let an unknown get in a little bit of shine. And the main event won me over in the minute Sammy sneakily took the money back when Spears got caught up by the surprise roll-up. The Darby turn on Cody at the end was surprising, but a potentially really interesting direction. The two things that the show I remembered uh, was the Lance Archer match and the Jericho Vanguard promo. A lot of credit goes to Marco's stunt, but Archer looked like a monster in the ring, tossing Marco like he's nothing. But as brutally entertaining as that was, nothing will ever be... As entertaining as Chris Jericho is just talking to a drone. And the last one here. Outstanding show. I know you may not agree with it, but selfishly, I love that the, li- that, that the little crowd surrounding the ring did so much to enhance the environment tonight. Everything was so well done tonight. Moxley and Hager hype video was awesome, along with the Bucks and Jericho videos as well. Debuting Archer against a young lion type wrestler is the perfect way to debut someone and show off all their strengths. All the matches were very good as well. Everything they do matters. It's so refreshing. Thank you, everybody, for your feedback. 
Yes. Thanks very much, everybody. Uh, so that's going to wrap up the show, but we will be back Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern time, youtube.com slash post wrestling. It is the Cafe Grande Hangout. So uh, send in your questions and we'll be looking to answer them throughout the two hours uh, with several guests uh, joining us as well. And then a uh, new British wrestling experience will drop on Friday. Rewind to SmackDown Friday night, which will have the, the New Jack episode of Dark Side of the Ring review. And then WrestleMania coverage Saturday and Sunday night uh, live uh, for patrons. Big week here. It's WrestleMania week, everybody. It's huge. And of course, WrestleMania weekend would not be complete without WH Park with a new Thunderstruck that will be out Sunday morning uh, with John Carroll. And WH is also on the Up Next uh, Patreon feed uh, this week, chatting with Davey Portman about the recent Cinderella tournament that Stardom just put on, featuring Hana Kimura. Yes, that is correct. So go check out all of that great stuff. We'll be back on Thursday. That's it. Good night.